when we offer a resource, say it's a download, an ebook of some kind, uh, or a petition, and, and, and someone gives us their email, um, we, the, a really important thing to do is to send them to a thank you page. And there is a way to actually turn people into instant donors or to, to become first-time donors immediately. You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast brought to you by KevKayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now... Here is the host of Nonprofit Problem Solver, Kev Kayat. Hello, Kev Kayat here. Welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver, brought to you by Yachtme, the virtual events platform 100% free to nonprofits, and Pod Pro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Thanks for tuning in. Just to be clear, you are actually the Nonprofit Problem Solver. As host, my job is to extract from our guests the practical, tactical expertise that you can put straight into action. This is a recording of a live event hosted on the Yahoo platform that I mentioned is 100% free to nonprofits. Find out more at y.yacht.me. That's W-H-Y dot Y-O-T dot M-E. You can join me on these live events every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Register at yacht.me or nonprofitproblemsolver.com. You can find me Kev Kyatt at kevkyatt.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Join the Nonprofit Problem Solver Club on Clubhouse and the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group to get all the latest practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. And check out my coaching programs at nonprofitentrepreneur.com. We tend to think of marketing as a way to tell people about our nonprofit or our services or maybe an event. It's one way communication especially with digital marketing, where we're sending emails or posting on social media. Digital strategist Chris Barlow takes a different approach, which is about using digital marketing to serve donors. I ask him what he means by serving donors in this way, and not only does he answer, he has plenty of useful examples that you can put into practice immediately. Hello, everyone. We are live with a nonprofit problem solver uh, podcast and uh, video here on uh, Yachtme, the virtual event platform that is 100% free to nonprofits, no licensing, no contracts, uh, and uh, a great opportunity to uh, help manage your events. Uh, I'd also like to thank my uh, producer, Glenn Munoz, at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Okay, we're at episode 39. We're going to talk to uh, Chris Barlow. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me, Kip. Great. And you are from uh, sunny Colorado. We're joining us today. Is that right? That's correct. I grew up here. Excellent. Okay. Um, So tell us a bit about your background uh, in both marketing and nonprofits and um, where people can find you online if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I've started Beeline in 2015. Um, we do digital marketing for nonprofits, and specifically, we aim to align nonprofits' mission and fundraising through marketing that serves, both marketing that serves them and, and mainly helping them 
create marketing that serves their target audience. Um, and you can find me at chris at beeline.marketing. And, um, and if it, after we talk today, some of the things that we'll be discussing, um, you can, if you just want to get a guide on them and, and kind of get it for yourself, save it for yourself, um, you can download one at nonprofits.beeline.marketing. And uh, that kind of goes through the entire um, thing that I like to teach on and, and just how to attract new donors, basically. Excellent. And what sort of nonprofits do you like to work with or prefer to work with or have a lot of experience? Is there a particular segment of nonprofits or a particular size of nonprofits that you uh, tends to be your sweet spot? Yeah, typically um, uh, nonprofits that are in the uh, generally smaller nonprofits between uh, with a budget of, you know, somewhere between 500,000 and three, three to four million. Um, and mm -hmm. In terms of the sector, no, there's no specific um, sector that I'm focused on. Um, 501c3s is the main thing. And having a cause and th those who want to expand, expand their mission or grow their donor base. And uh, no particular geography either. Is that right? You serve across uh, North America? Yeah, exactly. U.S. and Canada. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm excited about this question. Um, how can digital marketing uh, serve donors? So uh, the question itself... <laughs> intended to be provocative. That's part of what we do on uh, on Nonprofit Problem Solver. Um, but let's let's sort of unpack and understand uh, the the question uh, a little bit uh, in in terms of what what do we mean um, by digital marketing and what do we mean by serving donors? Okay, cool. I'll, I'll start with digital marketing. Um, so the reason digital is uh, well, obviously, kind of twenty twenty hastened what was the trend that was already we were already seeing. And that that's to communicate with people, to reach people, um, to be have as much one-on-one -on -one communication at scale as possible. Um, digital marketing gives us the ability to do that. As you know, it's not quite the same as a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but it can it can mimic a lot of that and kind of have a lot of those initial stages of a relationship with new people, um, and you can reach a lot more people all at once. Um, and another nice thing about digital marketing is you can create assets, you can create content, and you can use it over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. instead of trying to create a new program to reach people um, that, that you need personnel for, you need time for, it's you put in some effort this one time, and then you're done. And then you can, again, use it again and again. And then to serve people. I mean, the main, the main idea here is people don't go online to volunteer they don't go online to donate i mean of course there are exceptions and there are times when they are doing that but the general reason people go online if they're not just trying to get some work done is they have a problem or a question right they want to answer a question they want to solve a problem um they're thinking about themselves um or they're just kind of going on to kind of get entertained you know they're looking for a cat video or they just want an emotional hit of right. some kind right and so serving people means meeting them where they are and so that means not thinking they want to hear my story. It's saying, what are they thinking about? And who are the people that are thinking about things that are, that are relevant to what we do and where can we connect with them at that point? Okay. That's great. Um, thank you for that. So digital marketing, um, what would you include in that? And what would you exclude from that? Just so we're, we're clear about the, the toolbox that we we've got in front of us. Okay. So that, uh, I believe the heart of digital marketing is email um, mm -hmm. and maybe also you could include social media um, and, and just that being able to 
create some uh, an electronic communication and send it to many people all at once. Um, the nice thing about email is you're gonna you can send it to every single email address. Um, the nice thing about social media, it's kind of more almost feels more personal, or it can be a very you can have that individual conversation with someone. Um, the the downside with social media being you know you don't own it, so things can change. It can be really hard to get reach even your own followers. Um, it also mm -hmm. includes advertising. Um, it includes kind of content, creating content, um, and whether you're, that content's helping you get organic traffic on Google or whether that's just something that's attracting people. Um, let's see. I would say like digital marketing doesn't include a direct mail, although a lot of the principles will still apply. Sure. Um, We're not looking at snail mail, right? right. We're looking at right, right, email. Okay. Uh, but this, the the heart of it, uh, you know, I then it was really useful to clarify because a lot of people think of digital and content marketing as uh, uh, focusing on, say, one channel um, and doing a lot of content on YouTube or a lot of, you know, bigging up their own Facebook page or their Instagram presence or or something of that nature. But um, you've you've put those almost like in a in a um, secondary situation. Um, and I and I think what you were saying is because you don't own the um, the platforming and the, the algorithms change. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think any of us who have been on social media for some time recognize that uh, the 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 uh, user interface changes, the way uh, some of its structured changes, um, and and so um, you're sort of always at the mercy of um, you know. The Zuckerbergs of the world, yes, <laughs> who who decide uh, you know what they want their product to look like. Whereas with email, um, you know, you own the list if you've yes. got a list. Yeah, and and there's always a new platform that comes out, and and they're just that this the landscape is changing so much uh, all the time. No one can possibly keep up with all of it. Um, I, you know, there's maybe a few organizations who can't, but it, it's <laughs> it's one of those like. You just have to have these principles and then you adapt them where it makes sense to you and say, okay, our audience really is using this platform. We need to put our, put some investment into that in terms of creating content and being engaged and whatever it might be. Um, but email nope. is not going to change in terms of the, again, because you own it. Okay. So to, to, to put a clarification here, uh, you mentioned uh, organic search on Google. Uh, now that, presumably is is directing traffic to a website uh and, yes. and, and 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 am i right in assuming that uh if, if email is the heart then i don't know some and another anatomical metaphor here the website's got to be in there too because mm -hmm. that's the main capture mechanism yes. for a potential uh donor or volunteers email is yes. that is that right yes Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the heart here that you're really talking about when you were talking about digital marketing serving donors is not primarily uh, video or text content on social media platforms, although that can that can play a role. What mm -hmm. we're really talking about is what's on our website, how that generates um, uh, a willingness on the part of a website visitor to offer their email, yes. and then. Uh, and then receive email communications from you. Yes. Yep. That's exactly okay. it. All right. That that's useful to to clarify because, as you said, the landscape is changing all the time. There are new platforms. There's audio. There's video. There's text. Uh, uh, all 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 different things changing. Uh, and, um, the algorithms are changing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, really, what you have control over as an organization is your own website 
than your own email list. That's correct. Yep, and your yep. and your website being, yeah, I mean, obviously that's part of the heart of it too. I, I would say the only difference is, um, yeah, your website's kind of almost like your your face or your your presence and and how someone sees you for the first time. Um, and, and of course, you can update your site on you know if you have a blog or other th things that you're gonna update your site. But your your website's almost like the place where people meet you for the first time, and they might go back to it for various reasons, but the email is where that communication and relationship is built. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. All right. So we're, we're going to focus on email as um, uh, maintaining, but, but the website is as, in, as an introduction. Yes. And, and then email as follow-up uh, to maintain the relationship. Is that, is that a fair summary of, yes. of your approach? Okay. All right. Um, okay. So take it from, take it from there. <laughs> okay. So, so meeting donors where they're at, meeting potential donors where they're at, or meeting anyone, you know, whatever that constituency that you're looking forward to, to connect with it. Um, uh, you need to figure out what they need. And so that, what does it mean to serve them? How can you actually serve them? Um, so you figure out what they need and you create something to solve what they need to help them where they're at. Um, and so the questions to ask yourself are, who is our donor or who is our volunteer, whatever the, the audience is understanding who, where they go, where they spend time online, that is what, what their behaviors are. And again, what their needs are. And obviously your potential donor is going to have a million more needs than you can have anything to do with that have nothing to do with you. So you're also starting to think about same question is what is our expertise as an organization? Who, what is our skills, uh, knowledge, um, experiences, tools, connections, and thinking about those things. And then the third question, where do those two overlap? Where do does our expertise overlap with our donors' needs, uh, potential donors' needs? And that with that area of opportunity, that's where you can serve people. And that's where you can start saying, okay, is there a digital resource that we can create that would actually help someone that would attract them? Because they're online looking for this. And then when, when they see that we have this resource created, uh, whatever format that takes, they're like, oh, yeah, I would like that. That would really help me. So, what sort of resources might we might might a donor, uh, or prospective donor, be be looking for? So, as, I thought you were it's a great point you made. People don't go online to uh, with with donating in mind. They don't go online with volunteering in mind. They go on uh, to um, get a dopamine hit, really, as you said, at, or, or or get a, a question answered or find out some information um, and. And so if they come across, let's say even they start, you know, on a social media platform, they bump into some, some form of content that suggests to them that they might get their, their needs, that particular need solved by visiting your, your website, clicking through. What, what is that? What sort of needs might those be or questions might they be asking that you've had um, worked with your, your clients to, to address? Yeah. I mean, it can, the, the format of the content can take, all kinds of, uh, it can look all very, very different. But I mean, it might be as simple as a petition. You know, you have a specific cause. Okay. Yeah, that's a it, good one. Petition. And they might not, you know, they're not get there to, to download anything or get anything. They're just like, I believe in this. I want to add my support to it. That requires the least amount of time from you to create um, in terms of you don't have, you just are creating a page basically. And you're, you know, you have a plan for what you're going to do with the petition. You need to explain that and have a plan in place, but you're not, you know, actually putting together some kind of digital guide or a video or an online course or whatever. 
Um, but yeah, you could also create a, an ebook, a short, you know, 10 page, 20 page up to, you know, it doesn't have to be a, you know, full size book, but some kind of downloadable PDF, a checklist, um, a guide, whatever it might look like that addresses those issues. Um, that they so, can just- for example, if I could interject there, mm-hmm. if you are, say, a, um, a homelessness uh, agency, uh, you, you, uh, so you might do an ebook on the nature of the problem in your particular community, for example. Yes, or like how to help a family member who's struggling with homelessness. How do you, how do you balance both wanting to help and wanting to help them help themselves? Um, right. And, and where, where is helping okay. hurting them? Or um, if you're a, an animal sanctuary, you know, your, your main focus is helping these animals, protecting them, caring for them. But like you can create a quiz on um, how to pick a good veterinarian or um, how to pick, uh, you know, whether you should get pet insurance or how to train a certain kind of pet. There's yeah. a million ideas out there, right? Um, I've, work with a nonprofit that helps parents and one of their really, really effective um, resources is a guide on kids anger, helping kids who get, when kids get angry and what, and what to do. So this type of these, these types of resources, uh, particularly the ebook, uh, the how to type of thing is a way of, for the nonprofit to demonstrate some uh, expertise or authority in its area of work. Yes. And that, the beautiful thing is you go from, you, you serve someone by offering this free resource. And um, it's very natural then it, over email, you deliver the resource and then you continue to help the, these people and you explain, well, this is why we helped you. The, the, this is our heart as an organization. This is our mission. This is what we're already doing slightly differently, different audience, different. It, it looks different. Our programs are, are kind of more robust. It's more hand, more, more feet on the ground um, than this little guide here. But you can see mm-hmm. it's coming from the same heart. And by the way, you know, if you care about this topic, you know, partner, consider partnering with us to help other people like you or other people not like you um, to further the same mission the way right. that you've been so, helped. So other, other ways, so ways of serving, I, I, I'm getting, the words that are bumping into in, in my head as I, as I listen to you are things like, show or teach or explain you know that, that sort of stuff around expertise would you also include um entertain i mean you could do it like a lot of quizzes are light-hearted uh, uh you know genuinely funny uh or fun to do um as you said people people might be going out looking for a cat a cat video definitely <laughs> uh, i mean this is where like the arts museums and the arts can mm-hmm. really come in and entertain they can teach something um and hit people where they're they're thinking about they just want to get learn information so you can you know on the teaching and entertainment side of you know a theater company could put together little short videos that instruct and or entertain you know they could do a series of um how to audition well and then put that in front of local te- and put give it to local teachers and say we have this little short little series on how to audition well made by our actors and and by the way if you ever want to come to our shows you know we'd love to see you guys and you can you know connect with the actors there and in person and you're starting to build a relationship by starting with how can we help and teach what we know. Right. And, and would you recommend that uh, nonprofits listening to this consider this, this, this um, type of engagement where they're explaining or teaching or, or indeed ent- entertaining while they do it um, rather than 
say, uh, I think a default for a lot of uh, executive directors or boards or, uh, uh, or even social media folks would be like, oh, we need to tell our story. Here's our origin story. Here's why we're here. This is our mission. They want to talk about that. And, and, um, and I wonder if you, what, your, what your recommendation or your perspective on, on that versus teaching would be as, as a resource to, to have online. So your story is relevant and it's great to tell your story. Um, it can work. Um, I would argue, though, that telling your story, one, should come later because that's not, it's about you. And serving people is about them. Um, right. And so okay. the story comes in that part where you're saying, by the way, this is why we created this. This is why we're well positioned to help you because this is our story. Um, and the other thing too is uh, how much more effective and powerful is it for someone to experience a part of your mission themselves and to be their own story than for you to tell a story about someone else? What, what I love about that is... Um, is is that the the prospective donor, the person you're contacting to? And I know we're we're, we're we keep harping on about donors, but there are other target yes. audiences. We we mentioned volunteers, but we're going to keep this as donors just just for simplicity's sake. There are other obviously constituencies you could be reaching out to, like recruiting a board member, yes, or uh, or or program participants, or or what have you. Uh, but let's keep it at, uh, at donors because I think this um, raises this question of service uh, perhaps most starkly. Yes, uh, but what I like about what you're saying in terms of teaching or entertaining or showing or explaining is that the um, the the donor actually receives some impact directly from the the nonprofit in their area of expertise, and mm -hmm. and we don't often consider uh, people of means or who are who are ready and able to donate as um, receiving that impact from the nonprofit. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and what what's interesting is um, it comes down to almost an identity level uh, kind of consideration where you're thinking about, OK, well, we have our mission, but our mission is is solving a particular problem or solving the biggest problem that we found. Or maybe it's just where we happen to be that like what our history is, how we were founded, what our skills are. That's why our mission is our mission. But our mission actually, if we step back, it comes from a, a core belief. And that core belief could play itself out in different ways. So the Humane Society, they, their mission, their stated mission is to care for animals um, that are in danger or that are vulnerable, to protect animals from cruelty or to, or to bring societal changes, policy changes to, to, to reduce cruelty. Um, but their belief is that animals are inherently valuable and worth caring for. And that can play itself out very differently. And that they share that same core belief that just a, a, your local animal shelter shares. Like their animal shelter is not trying to get involved in policy at all. They're just taking in stray animals and trying to get them adopted. But they have the same core belief. And so the way that that mission plays out looks different. So that's how you can think about, okay, this is our core belief. How does that inform how we should do fundraising? How does that inform how we should do marketing? Um, and it, when it comes from that same heart, then making the connection back to your mission is natural. But, but um, while I agree with you there, I think the the, the shift you're making, uh, which, which I endorse and I, I speak to people about as well, is is not starting from mission and saying, um, 
surely you agree with us. Surely you have the same core value. Surely mm. um, you're on you're on sort of in our tribe on our on our side. Well, you know whatever they want to describe mm. it. Um, you're with us. So come and donate and come and participate. You're specifically not doing that. That, as you said, yes. comes later. That's on the dust jacket about the author, or, or, <laughs> or you know, it's it's um, here. Here is how we actually manifest our mission in the world. Here's how we. Here's what we know about, and here's an ebook or a quiz or a petition that is about what we're about. And if that is a value to you, it has an impact on you as a potential contributor, participant, donor, volunteer, board member, what have you, then you're already in, you know, taking a step along the way to working with us in some way. It's it's already, you've already had an experience with us, not, hey, uh, I'm looking for information. Oh, I see you were founded in 19 whatever. And, you know, uh, by someone who's, oh, that's an interesting, but, you know, it's none of that type of thing and 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 again how often do you find that clients revert back or default to uh an origin or a mission story because that's where their head is and 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 how they want to project themselves to the world well i I find um you know for when this is new a new idea i find the most resistance up front like well we don't serve our donors like we can't distract ourselves from the mission we we don't right right we serve our the people we serve we don't serve donors they they help us serve the yes. people we serve. Yep. Right. And actually, I wanted to mention, so here's one fun kind of interesting, surprising idea. When we offer a resource, say it's a download, an ebook of some kind, uh, or a petition, and, and, and someone gives us their email, um, we a r- really important thing to do is to send them to a thank you page. And there is a way to actually turn people into instant donors or to, to become first-time donors immediately. But it's not so much to say, hey, you know, you need to consider our, our mission and support our mission. It's on that thank you page. You say, congrats, you're signed up for the online course or thanks. You know, you uh, the book is on its way. Watch your inbox and, and make it really clear. You don't have to do anything else. It is on its way to you. And while they're thinking about this topic, while they're feeling appreciative to you for giving them some, something for free, you can transition and say, well, before you go open that book we'd like to share something with you and transition to an invitation to the next step. Now it could be a donation. It could be volunteering. It could be whatever you might want it to be. Um, but, but we'd like to let you t- tell you something. Um, and, and then you can say something like this guide was made possible because we are supported by people and free because we're supported by donors and, and volunteers, whatever, however you want to word it. Um, and we can get this into the hands of now thousands more people like you would you consider helping like for every 15 dollars, we can get this into the hands and, and get this in front of a hundred more people would you consider a one-time donation so that we can get this out to more people and you're going to find that while most people aren't going to um you know majority aren't going to donate right then you, you will get some people who donate right then because mm-hmm. they're like this is a great resource i love i love that you're doing this and i'd love for you to get it in front of more people right so it's that immediate so it's like, that you said it's uh, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, invitation to the next step because I wanted to bring up this idea of the marketing funnel and where this all fits in and how you um, 
if you could describe for a moment how you lay this on top, say a funnel diagram, or you know where, how, or do do you even use that language in terms of funnels uh, with your clients and, and the way you approach this? Yeah, funnel is um is a good approach, um, and I have to give credit to Next After for this idea. Um, I think it's way more accurate. Instead of a funnel, it's more like a um, a pyramid because yeah, you you start with lots of people, and most of them are going to fall out. And only some will get through the top, so it's kind of you're working uphill. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not like they easily fall through. You know. Um, yeah, Tim Kuchuriak was on uh, was on the podcast about three weeks ago. Oh, three awesome. Episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and explain that that very thing, that very concept. Yes. So yeah, you're going. It's more. It's more of an uphill. And you're going to lose people as you go. Um, but your your follow up to this to when someone gets your resource is, um, you know, you deliver the resource and then you have it. I, I like. You know, what most of the industry talks about in marketing spaces, have a welcome series, have some kind of automated emails that build that relationship and kind of continue to serve people. And your goal with that welcome series, um, regardless of the, what you put in those emails, your goal is a positive feedback loop. I want the the new subscriber to, to say, I like opening their emails because they have my interests at heart. They're looking out for me. They're thinking about me. And of course, that's going to be subconscious. They just you just want them to like opening your emails. Um, and then you know the next thing you can do, of course, is to then try, tell your story. There, there, you have this opportunity to say, "Well, this is why we're well positioned to help you, and this is why it makes sense that we created this resource. This is our our core belief and, and our mission." And then if, and then you can make that invitation to a next step. And it might not, you know, it might be a donation, it might be you know something, but it might be something small like. Follow us on social media so you can stay up to date with our, you know, everything that's the latest announcements or interact with us more um, and get to know our other other people who we've helped, like you, you know, build some kind of community. So whatever that next step is, that's a really natural time to kind of do that after that in that initial welcome series. And then in the long term, you're, you want to, you can put those people on your general email list. Um, whatever makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. segmenting your email is really important, but continuing to, to invite those people and to invest in those people and serve them. Okay. That's, that, that's, that's useful. I want to talk um, uh, about those emails a little bit more if mm -hmm. we could. Uh, two key questions I hear folks say, uh, ask about with regard to, uh, emails and, and maintaining that email list. And as you said, it's cultivating those relationships. So you have someone who's been willing to give you a, uh, an email. And, and let's face it, um, for most nonprofits, that's someone who's donated or volunteered already. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not someone who has given an email in exchange for um, you know, quiz results or an ebook, you know, the mm -hmm. standard sort of uh, you know, marketing thing that you might for, for say for, for, for brands. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is slightly, slightly different. But let's just assume that they, they sort of know who you are in terms of maintaining this relationship. The two questions I hear most are what's the frequency of emails and what's the ideal length of an email? Should it be a single paragraph or should I be going on for a couple of pages um, and, and you can see how uh, this would play into this question of if I do it only monthly, it's going to be a long email because it's like a <laughs> newsletter or am I doing little and often? So wh wh where do you where do you sit on on those questions? 
Okay. Um, so in terms of like best practices and data, I can't answer to that. Um, but in terms of where I sit, I can answer. Um, <laughs> so frequency actually that depends on your audience and how and you that how well you segment because you're going to have subscribers who would open an email from you every day, and it also depends on how much time and content and how much effort you because because if you are giving if your emails are making deposit little deposits in their emotional bank accounts um encouraging what you know whether you're telling your own story that's uh, sharing stories or do, doing something directly to help them um i think that's all fine as long as you're not asking you know if you're not constantly asking I, you know you can have a higher frequency of emailing um i think once a week is a good amount of time for people to, to, to keep you on top of mind i think once a month, you wouldn't want to go less than that. Um, okay. So somewhere in between there, um, but you know, you can have, you can do more if, again, if, if you really have the time and, and the personnel to kind of create that content. And in terms of email length, I feel like shorter emails that cover one thing rather than a monthly newsletter that's really long and has lots of different topics, lots yeah. of things to click on, those just get overwhelming. Um, no one's going to read the entire thing. No, no one's going to take action on, on everything. The more your email feels like a one-to-one -one email, the more response you're going to get, whether that's... Yeah, th that I've, I've uh, been, been hearing that a lot lately, and I think that's an important point uh, because people don't want to be marketed to. Yes. So if you send an email that's got all these links everywhere, and um, I mean, you could, uh, you know, we've all seen them. Uh, the, they could be, you know, entertaining uh, uh, emails that come out, say, once a week or every two weeks or once a month to say, oh, here's all the things we've been doing. If you want to hear about that, click over here. Here's the latest blog, click over here. And here's the video we did, click here. And here's the story mm -hmm. of someone we helped, click here. And it, it it is that sort of summary digest, but it is overwhelming at times. Yes. So, yeah, just having the one, one topic per email. And, you know, some, I know for me, um, if I, being on a, email list for me with a, some nonprofits, like if it's a topic I'm not that interested in, I just won't open it. But if it's one I'm interested in, I'll open it. And I'm really thankful that it's just, it's really clear, like what this email is about. And um, that I'm not being hit by three things at once. Right. And, and, in, and, in, and in maintaining that relationship, uh, does it matter uh, how, how much branding there is on the, on the email and, and who it's from? I, would say it's okay if you have your your logo on there. Um, I would, but but I think it's better if it feels like a personal email. Obviously, you make it clear, like this is from our nonprofit. You're not trying to right. trick anyone here, um, right, but right. you know, make it feel personal. And so have it be, you know, from the person who's in charge of your email marketing, or if you have multiple people, and 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 then yeah, if you have your your logo, that's great. But a simple text based email. It's going to take you less time to put together and is actually going to get a, a surprisingly better response than one that's full of images. You, have, you run into problems with email clients not downloading images properly. People just say, oh, there's a ton of images. It's another marketing email. And if, if it's text, they're going to take the time, a lot more likely to take the time to read it. And if you right. want to have like that more immersive experience with the images and stuff, then, you know, link to your podcast or blog or, or the story or whatever it is on your site. And, and, and then someone who's interested will click through and then they'll, they'll understand, like, then it's fine if the entire website's 
as all the branding and it looks as you know super super professional like you want it to look right okay um you mentioned segmenting uh and that that it's really important can you say a bit more about that yeah um i mean the the kind of signals that you're paying attention to um i mean there's there's two things there's one there's just what are the what's the body language quote unquote of your audience and so one thing i recommend highly recommend is to create a reactivation sequence so people who haven't opened the last like six emails or 10 emails put them into a sequence automatically um if your if your email software does that and because they're they've stopped engaging and so you basically want to give that give them one last chance to re-engage and so you kind of send them very short emails that say hey are you still there do you still want to hear from us um, right. do we have the best email for you and and link to a, a recent blog or a, a video or something to re-engage them and if, and if they click that link then take them out of that sequence that means they not only open the email they click they read it they click the link they're engaged still they just happen to not be able to and then if they don't do that you know but send another email or have another email set up to automate it uh, automated email that goes out to say hey you know looks like you don't really want to hear from us and that's fine no no hard feelings at all um we're going to send out one more email and if you don't click anything in this one or the next one we'll just automatically unsubscribe you and the, the reason we do that it's not to like just say we'll get out you know go away it's it's to serve people it's to say well look if i'm just cluttering your inbox and you don't want to hear from right. me yeah, we're not going to be building a relationship anyway. And, and so that's in their interest. And, you know, you might, if just sending that email, say, we're just going to automatically unsubscribe you. That might, that might flip the switch for someone and say, wow, this organization is so different. Like everyone else just keeps sending me their newsletters forever. But these guys are actually noticing that I'm not really interested. I, right. I want to take another look at them. And yeah. that's also in your own interest too, because as an organization that will improve your email deliverability. The less people who open your emails, the more you get spam. I think the number is something like 12% of all emails go to spam, like actually subscribed emails, not counting like the spam emails that, that everyone gets. Um, 12%. Yeah. And so if, if you can reduce the number of people that are bouncing or just not opening your emails, you're going to overall get more people receiving your emails who want to get them. Yeah, I, I think uh, that uh, is is also the... Uh, trend people are recognizing that uh, it's the quality of your email list. Yes. You'd rather have fully engaged small list than a massive list where, as you said, you know your open rates are really low, like single digits, and you know you're not getting anything from it. You know that you're actually just paying a lot for um, having a large list of your email <laughs> provider or email services, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're paying for those with without getting anything for it. Yep. And another thing to with segmentation, I'll just tell a short story about how a, a nonprofit I work with, um, I'm actually on their email list, and they have what's called an insider's team. And they just grew, grew it, started organically, found people who are really engaged in, and invited people to join. And then they just every so often invite more people from the regular list to join it. And it's the insider's team is, is not donors. It's just people who would like to help them out in some way. And they just usually get asked for feedback, like, "Hey, can you fill out the survey for us, um, so we can get a voice of like what you, what you, what kind of content you would like, mm -hmm. or tell us about how we're marketing this, how how does it feel, or what do you think about our this page or our new website?" So it's just getting all kinds of feedback from their insider. It's like a focus group almost. Yeah, digital focus, focus group. group. And right. and they have about six hundred people on that list. Um, it's, wow. it's about twenty 
uh, it's about 15% of their, of their list or 10%. Um, no, no, sorry. No, 2%, 2% of the list. And uh, I did my math wrong. Um, so about 2% of the list, but they have a nearly 100% open rate on, on the weekly emails they send to the insiders team and they get tons of engagement and feedback. And so that's another way to segment. It's like, who is really engaged with us? And how can we invite them one step deeper? 20% of their, of their insiders team are also donors. And so they just, it, they can very easily keep a good relationship with those people. Those are the people who are going to refer them to their friends and right. family. So, um, so I mean, let me just turn that around. 80%, 20% of their insider list who are opening every email. Mm-hmm. You mentioned 600. 20% of those are donors. 80% are not. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might come as a shock to some people to realize that you can have 80%, you can have a group of people, uh, whatever size, 60, 600, 6,000, mm-hmm. opening your emails every single time you send them, and still only 20% will convert to donors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's a need for some realism around uh, you know, these, these percentages, conversion rates, what have you, uh, that people understand the, the amount of work involved and what it means to cultivate a relationship over time. And you really need to get into your email software and, and leverage it as a tool to understand what's actually going on uh, with your email. It can't just be this sort of, oh, it manages our list. We write an email, we send it, and then hope for the best. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, you, it, it, does, it does require a lot of work um, and, and investment. Um, but the nice, the, the thing that's good about it is, one, that's just kind of where we are now. You know, after 2020 um, and everything shifting virtually, that's just how we have to communicate with people. And, and then why not do it effectively? And why not do it in a way that actually genuinely builds real relationships? And, you know, those people will be with you for the long term. Um, and, and so being, and segmenting your list and, and paying attention to people who are really engaged and, and cultivating those relationships is going to, you, you don't need a, a gigantic list. Like you said, it's m- more about quality. And, and then it's from that list that your development team can find the people who already, you know, have those conversations with, who are more likely to be, become your major donors or, or they'll come out of the woodworks. Right. I was just talking to a client. And they had someone who gave something like $30 a month. And they sent out an email to their donor team. And that's just a list of people who've donated and want to be on the list because they always give the people, people the option to unsubscribe from the donor list. Um, and they sent out and said, we are looking for, we want to develop this new thing and we, a new program. And we're looking for someone who wants to give a 10,000 matching grant. And so, you, you know, so we can find someone with a matching grant or raise the, the match. And um, this donor who would only gave $30 a month and never any, you know, never, never more than that, called them and were like, I'd love to do this. And so you just, you just don't know you where those people are going to come from, but you have to have that right. cultivated those relationships to that level. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because people here, and of course, love to share stories like that, where there's this, um, you know, like this home run type story, you know, this sort of big bang approach. Uh, and, uh, I mean, those are, those are always great to hear, but they always make me, um, sigh a little bit because it's, it's, it almost doesn't matter if that never happens, you know, yeah. uh, because it, that's not what it's about. You're not no. looking for those 
uh, hidden donors. You're looking for the people who are quite openly happy to in, in, engage uh, with you, as you said, whether it's $30 a month or, or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, uh, as we are sort of wind down the tail end here, about um, the nature of serving donors changing over time. So we, we spent a lot of time talking about the funnel and attracting people and getting them uh, from uh, introduction, uh, the website, and then cultivating relationships through email uh, where, um, you know, you're, you're, you're perhaps serving in a different way. So we started the service, this idea of service with teaching or entertaining, you know, quizzes, petitions, eBooks, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. How does that service change over the course of, uh, relationship building via email? What does it look for, like for a, um, a, you know, someone who, you know, that 80% of really engaged people who don't donate, uh, and then those who do, how does that notion of service change over time? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, part of it is just your heart as an organization. And are you keeping your subscribers, um, donors, supporters, volunteers, are you keeping their interests at heart? Um, and so, and then this, this is just general, you know, best practice, you know, you need to be depositing into people's accounts, um, quote unquote account, their, their emotional account, and not just asking for them all the time. And are you, are you casting a vision? So you can, you know, now they're really engaged with you as an organization, and they're not just there for, for just the way that you help them. So, uh, you know, are you showing them where you guys are headed? And, you know, telling stories along the way? Are you, are you making, are, are people partnering with you? Are you like in this desperate position, like begging people to help you or are they partnering with you? And you're just, right. you're just the point person to, to make, to move forward. But I mean, what, what do you think? Kev? I'm so I, I think. was thinking that as, as people, um, as people's relationship with the organization matures, they, they've, they've, let's just say they're getting weekly uh, emails on a specific point. They occasionally click onto the website, they follow on social media and so on. Um, I, I think that the relationship has to change from one that initially feels one-to-one. Like I've got this personalization reaching out and speaking. I know this is an email that goes to lots of people, but I feel like I'm being spoken to directly. So I, I, I get that. But th- after a while and possibly not very long at all, I want to feel like I'm part of a community that mm-hmm. I'm connecting to other mm-hmm. people, not just the organization, but to a broader group of people um, associated with the organization. In other words, if we're climbing up, turning over uh, as next after say the funnel into a mountain, if mm-hmm. I'm climbing up the mountain with this organization, who's who else is here with me? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's, definitely the right direction to go um and and so yeah social media plays a great role in that way because you can have a group where you can create ways for people to interact and and there's a lot of different things you can do but having a community uh, the the image that came to mind you we'd climbing up mountains like you know who's who's hiking up here with us like mud mud runners you know people are like yeah. we're a team and we got to get but you know it's it's not quite that it's not just a like a physical difficult challenge mentally or physically but it is that camaraderie and, and I think that's one thing that's so effective about the insiders team too, even using that language, like you belong, like right. y- you're, you are one of the insiders and knowing that the, the kind of the, some of the more intimate goings on in our organization 
Um, you're our partners. We depend on you. That kind of idea and understanding. Um, yeah, and then taking it a step further to allow those people to communicate with each other more easily. Yeah, it's an interesting balance, I think. And I haven't, I haven't um, come across anything that seems to speak to it directly. But I think there's this, whether again, whether it's a donor, volunteer, um, uh, board member, however your supporters are, this this need, in a sense, maybe it's maybe it's a dual need, mm -hmm. a, a combined need to to have a one to one relationship with the organization, but also feel part of the community. In other words, uh, you know, and it's, it's how do you go sideways with other supporters and mm -hmm. interact with them? Um, and, and I think that it's, it's a challenge, isn't it? To, to try and um, capture both dynamics of, of a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, you know, it's not something you're necessarily going to do on, on, on email, because as soon as you start to right. broadcast a community, you lose everything you've tried to cultivate by having that more personal approach. Yes. Yep. That is it's and then, you know, it's you can start a community, but how do you actually help them form relationships with each other and get people engaged with it? And that's a whole other challenge and a whole other topic. But um yeah, I do yeah. think it's worth thinking about because there is real value to it. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay, that's great. That's been a fantastic conversation, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been episode 39 of the Nonprofit Problem Solver. Uh, before we go, though, Chris, can you please just remind us of your uh, digital address, where people can find you yes. online, what social media uh, platforms you like to hang out on, and how people can contact you? Yeah, so you can reach me at chris at beeline.marketing. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, Twitter beeline underscore chris. And uh, you can, uh, from this conversation, you know, this idea of what is the, what is the donor mountain going from new people who aren't thinking about you to, to first-time donors, you can get my guide at nonprofits.beeline.marketing. Happy to answer any questions too if you reach out to me. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, and thanks to Yami, as, uh, as always, for uh, hosting us and to uh, PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting uh, easy. We will see you uh, next week, every Wednesday at 11 Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, just uh, sign up at uh, yacht.me or at nonprofitproblemsolver.com. This is Kev Kyatt, and I've been your host on Nonprofit Problem Solver. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver podcast. My guest today was Chris Barlow, who you can reach at chris at beeline.marketing, and you can download his guide at nonprofits.beeline.marketing. This podcast has been expertly produced by Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Go to podproaudio.com. You can join future conversations live by visiting nonprofitproblemsolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit kevkayat.com because good causes deserve better results.